Uh, why don't you get your get your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. And, and while you're doing that, let's welcome those who are watching online. Some of you I know could have been here, but it was cold. And you, you know who you are, and so does the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is watching you. And if you canceled on serve team this morning, we're praying for your power to go out. And, uh, and so... Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I just I want to welcome those who are watching. Let's welcome those who are watching online. So glad to, do, to have you doing church online for whatever the reason. We're so, <laughs> that's awesome. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'm coming right into your living room, and so anyway. Um, but anyways, turn to Matthew chapter 17. We're in a season, not really a series. We're in a season that we call forward. Um, and around this season or during this season, we have been fasting and praying for 21 days. And there's a devotional that you can uh, keep up with us on that the staff wrote for you uh, that is on the app or on our website, or you can probably catch it. They're probably putting it out on social media as well. And uh, and so we're in a season of just moving forward. We, we've kind of decided that it's not so much that where we've been is bad. It's just that it's where we've been. And, and, and there probably could be something better if we just move forward. And we've just kind of decided we may need to leave some people behind, not because they're bad, but because they're stuck. But we're not going to be stuck anymore. And we're not going to blame being stuck on somebody else. And we're not going to blame it on God. We're just ready to move forward. There are seasons where you camp out at Mount Sinai. And then there are times when the cloud starts moving. And we've just kind of said, hey, we feel like the cloud is moving. And so we're going to go with God. And God is moving forward. And we're ready to move forward in our relationship. And, and in, in our life and in our purpose and our cause. So we're in a season uh, about that. And so, so I, I want to I bring another message kind of in line with that idea. And it comes to us in Matthew uh, chapter 17. What's going on in Matthew 17? Well, Jesus and his band of merry men, the disciples, have, have been uh, at, at, at Bethsaida, and now they are headed to Caesarea Philippi, and along the way, Jesus starts this conversation about, hey, hey, who, who, do, people say, who do people say that I am? And there's some whacked out rumors out there, like what, most people think he's a dead guy, come back to life. Like, like my favorite was, some say you're John the Baptist. It's like, did you not meet John? Am I wearing camel skin and hair and eating locusts and wild? I mean, how did you get, some say Elijah, you know, anyways. And so, but then he, but then he gets the personal question, the question everybody's going to have to answer at some point in your life. You're going to have to answer this question. You can do it now or you can do it in eternity, but you'll answer this question. The Bible is very clear on that, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God that Jesus is the Christ. And so you all get to answer the question. It's better to answer it here, I think. It's just me. It's better to have a reservation in the right place. Right? I don't want to be in the smoking section of eternity. That's all I'm saying. So anyways, you want to answer it here. He says, who do, who do you, who do you say, who do you say that I am? And, and, and they kind of stumble around, but then Peter has an anointed holy moment, gets the right answer. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. So then Jesus starts talking to him. Um, he starts talking to him and he, and, and, and he, and he begins to teach them about his death and his burial and his resurrection. And then Peter who got the right answer gets the wrong answer because he rebukes Jesus. Then Jesus calls him a devil that's a bad day. That's a bad day. 
Um, and they continue on the conversation and Jesus starts talking to his disciples about what it means to follow him and the rewards in eternity that are gained when we follow him now. That when we follow him in this temporal world, this temporary world, we, we end up getting eternal rewards. That we can trade temporary time for eternal rewards. Kind of interesting that, that what we do in the short term determines what we're going to do in the long term, in the long run, right? And, and so he talks to, and then he said, hey, there's, gonna, there's some of you that will not even see death until you see the king, my, you see me coming in, in glory, in the glory of my kingdom. And then he takes them up on a high mountain. We're not sure which one theologians, some believe it's uh, Mount Hermon because of, of the proximity to Caesarea Philippi. And so he goes up on a high mountain and he is transfigured where, where we see Jesus or, well, he takes Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, uh, goes, goes up on, on a high mountain, and, and he's transfigured in all of his glory he has seen, right? And then, and then Elijah and Moses come to hang out, and that's pretty wicked, right? And then Peter, still trying to get another good answer, <laughs> says something dumb, you know, hey, it's good for us to be here, you think? Really? That's what you came up with? It's good for us? To, Jesus is transfigured, and there's Moses and Elijah, and, and what you came up with was you think it's good. Thank you, seminary graduate. You know, anyways. Um, but, and so then the next thing, you know, Peter's like, hey, let's, let's build, a, build a few temples here and just hang out here. I mean, can we please be honest? Anytime we have a mountain experience with God, wouldn't we all like to hang out there? Like anytime we have a mountaintop experience with God, we're like, God, do we ever have to go back to a valley? But see, they had to go back down at the base of the mountain because there's a commotion. And, and, and this is why it's great to have mountaintop experiences with God. But, but most of the time, the ministry is not on the mountaintop. God ministers to us on the mountaintop so we can get off the mountain and minister to others. And, and so they come down the mountain and there's a multitude and there's frustrated disciples and there's a bewildered dad and there's a demon-possessed boy. And that's where we're going to pick up in, in Matthew chapter 17. How's that? That's pretty intense right there, isn't it? Yeah, it's multitudes and, and, and freaked out people and frustrated disciples and demon-possessed boys. and it sounds like a Stephen King movie, but uh, Matthew 17, verse 14. And, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples. Like I, I, good plan here, but they couldn't help. They couldn't cure him. And then Jesus answered, and he doesn't really mince words here. I don't know if you know that, but can I just, can I help you? Um, there's a lot of church people that wouldn't attend a church where Jesus was preaching because they, well, that's just too offensive. Oh, that's, it's, that's too, that's too black and white. No, there's room for everybody. Yeah. Well, there's room for everybody to hear the message. But I'm just saying, there's a lot of, can I just be honest? There's a lot of church services that if Jesus walked in, we'd have to explain what was actually going on to him. And, and there's a lot of people that wouldn't stay for Jesus to preach. So having said that, you're lucky you have me. <laughs> then Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverted generation. Tell us how you really feel, Jesus. We're just wondering, just wondering. What you 
How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon that came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately on the down low. Why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus said, because, <laughs> he's talking to his disciples, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible for you. However, check this, verse 21. However, now let me just let me pause right here, because if you have certain translations of the Bible, it will jump from verse 20 to verse 22. It leaves verse 21 out. And, and, but it will, it will put a note that tells you it, it could have been there, that a lot of translators put it in there. Some disagree that it was in the text. But we also have this account in, in, in another gospel, in the gospel of Mark. And in the gospel of Mark, it references this very same verse. So we know we're on good biblical basis for, for what's about to be said. Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I need some help with my title because it's a statement more so than a title. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell them my title. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this. Neighbor, come on, help me out. We got to stay warm this morning. Neighbor, plug in to possibility. Right now, turn to your second favorite neighbor, the one that you don't know or the one you are too shy to face, and maybe they're single and you're single, and right now could be a magic moment for you. This magic moment when the pastor asked us to interact could last forever. Those aren't really the lyrics, but I have chronic lyricosis, so I just make them up as I go. But say, neighbor, plug in to possibility plug into possibility. Let's, let's pray. Jesus, we, we need you. God, we really, we don't need really another great sermon. Uh, we, we, we don't need another religious service. God, we, we got to have you. Nothing else works. Nothing else sacrifices. Nothing else satisfies. God, we, we, we have to have you. And so God, we just set our hearts on you, to hear you, to see you, to know you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come into this room and completely mess us up. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So here we have a problem. We have, we have, a, we have a boy who, who is, is possessed of some type of demo, a demon or demonic activity, and it is coming out in physical ways in that he, he's having seizures and he's throwing himself in fire and trying to drown himself. It's, it's, it's pretty critical. If you could imagine how desperate this dad must be, I'm sure they've tried doctors. I'm sure they've tried all the elixirs, all the snakes oils, everything that they could find. And in the end, I'm sure they prayed all the prayers that they knew to pray. And in the end, they've, they've not gotten anywhere. And so they hear this rumor about this really cool guy with a really great beard and a really cool robe and some, and some Birkenstocks. And, and they decide... Hey, he's got a whole tribe of merry men. We got to track that. This is this is our this. There's we got to track him down, and they track him down, and they find these twelve men who had had some success at deliverance and healing, and 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 say, could 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 you help us, please, my my boy? Could could you just help my boy? And and they all give it a try. They put their best King James, the thou unto thee. 
um, that that will they 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 put their they put their best you know they probably broke out some olive oil they put everything they could on it and in the end nothing has helped and now Jesus comes down and and so we have a problem we have a problem here and I would submit to you that that we have a power problem we didn't have a theological problem right uh, it wasn't that God changed his his idea about who he was even it wasn't that God changed his commission we we actually have a power problem and, and what I like about this and this is how I know it's a power problem not a theological problem and not a doctrinal problem because when Jesus comes down from the mountain and the, and the guy comes to him the dad bewildered I'm sure weary and says hey could you could you please do something because your merry men gave it their best and we're, we, we came up lacking Jesus didn't say you know um, truthfully healing's not for everybody that that's what he didn't he didn't say he didn't say you know probably the best thing to do would be create a doctrine that when the bible talks about healing it's talking about eternal healing in a new glorified body and so healing is now placed on the other side of eternity and not on this side of eternity. And so he, di he didn't create a new doctrine. He didn't say, you know, it just doesn't work for everybody. You know, sometimes uh, it's my will to heal and sometimes I just want po people to suffer. There's a lot of things that Jesus didn't say that we seem to put in his mouth. And so Jesus, and, and check this, he doesn't even make excuses I can already tell I'm going to get an email. He he doesn't. <laughs> Please, uh, so the, the email address you'd you'd want to send that to is is Mark at mypathway. <laughs> dot team because out of the two of us, he's more like John and I'm more like Peter. <laughs> he will love you. I'm going to try to kill you with a sword. So, so that's why you want to send it to him. <laughs> Anyways, so, so, um, so anyways, so, but, but Jesus didn't seem to say, he didn't seem to make excuses. He, he didn't, he didn't suggest that, well, maybe, maybe you're just asking too much. Maybe you shouldn't get your hopes up so much. You know what I mean? I know I've been preaching around. There's been lots of miracles, but maybe you got your hopes up just a little too much. Doesn't work all the time. What Jesus actually does, check this, is he tells us where the problem is. You better brace yourself right now because you are not ready for this slap at 9 a.m. He tells us the problem is power and the problem is his people. He said, oh, no, 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 there's not a new doctrine. There's not a new God. And the truth is, the problem isn't the power supply. The problem is the people. I've decided that my, my ministry seems to be more about afflicting the comforted than comforting the afflicted. And, and I apologize for that, but that's just the way it comes out. 
Listen, he didn't say lower your expectations and create a different doctrine that gives you peace. That's not what Jesus did. But listen, when we are faced with an area in our life where there is not a breakthrough, we have two choices and it's seen in Matthew 17. Choice number one is create some kind of demonic doctrine that that robs us of any hope, expectancy, and faith and calls us to live by the chaos and, and the dominion of this world or press into God to figure out where the problem was. I am so tired of Christian people giving faithlessness an excuse to remain faithless. Do you think, do you think, think about this, okay? Because you're like, well, I faced an experience and I prayed and it didn't happen. Be a pastor and bury one of your best friends. Be a pastor and watch a child die in a hospital. I've been on death's bed more than you will ever understand. And I've been in situations that you will never even have to walk through, I hope, to God. But here's what I'm saying I'm not willing to do. I'm not willing to change my doctrine based on human experience. That's what I'm not willing to do. I'm going to continue to let God tell me who he is. And I'm going to continue with everything in me to try to believe that instead of what I experience. Well, just brace yourself. I haven't gotten to point one yet. But I, but I think, but I think here, here's where my heart is. Please hear me. And I know everybody. Like I know there are hard stories. I'm the pastor. I know all the stories. I know all the times breakthrough hasn't happened. But I'm going to submit to you, it's never going to happen until you contend for it. And as long as the church is happy to create doctrines that allow us to accept anything less than what Jesus died for, then we'll never see what he died for. We have a power problem. And the power problem could be our belief system. And that's really what I'm seeing in Matthew 7. I better get to the point because I'll probably get fired. Um, write this down. Three things I want to talk about. Plug into possibility. Number one, number one, uh, connection with the world disconnects us from God. Yeah, we just got to talk about it. And probably a good morning to stay home. Probably people are turning off the live stream right now. Like, this ain't encouraging Jesus. I don't know what happened to that guy. If you just stay with me, we'll get there. Um, Connection with the world disconnects us from God. See, the problem was a power problem, but but why did we have a power issue, right? How many know? How many know? Um, and in fact, PJ, hand me, hand me this right here. You, you got to find the props. See, I brought this props. See, it just got interesting. Props is an extension cord. Um, the other day, my son, we had a problem. We had a problem in that that one of the tires on his car. Uh, we had our our roof redone, and more than likely, got a nail in the tire and so he said dad I got a, I got a flat tire and I said dad no problem dad has a compressor right thank you Tim the Toolman Taylor and um, and so but but the problem with most compressors is that they have an extension cord that's three and a half inches long they have, you know have you have you all noticed this have you all not noticed this it's like the compressors have cut a deal with the extension cord company in fact, just about every tool that I have, every saw, every drill, anything like that, you know what I'm saying? They all have a cord about three and a half inches long. 
and you're like, this is a great tool if I want to work right next to a socket. <laughs> and, and so I got the air, air compressor out and, and took it out to the car. And I have an extension cord that I leave plugged into my air compressor so that it can go out the garage and wherever it needs to go. And, and, I, and so I hit the switch, <laughs> nothing. I've got a power problem. Yeah. I've got a power problem. What's the problem? Well, I think the compressor still works. What should I do? I should check. Because here's the thing. This, this extension cord is, is amazing. It is powerful. And, and so here, the compressor is created to fix the problem. The socket is supplying enough power so that the compressor can solve the problem. But the problem was the extension cord had gotten disconnected. You didn't even know this thing could preach. You're doing a great job. It had, got, it, had gotten, it had gotten disconnected. And, and because the cord was disconnected, the power yeah. couldn't supply the solution. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus said, hey, hey, what you disciples have, it's a faith issue. What is that? Why, what caused it, Jesus? Why, why, where, where's the unbelief coming from? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, two things. We can read them right here. Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Faithless. He said, listen, unbelief. What, what caused it? Number one, faithless. Okay, let me give you a definition for faithless. Not connected to God. He said, you're not connected to God. How, how, how do I link these two? By the way, Romans 10. Faith comes by connection. Where does faith come by? Connect to God. If you want faith, really easy, connect to God. Plug in. And he said, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You're disconnected from God. Now, these are the disciples. Right? But, but he's saying, listen, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the power problem. But what's the problem? Come unplugged faithless. Here's what he said. You've kind of become, brace yourself, unbelieving believers. Like, like your doctrine's still there. Um, you, you still have the, the right vernacular. You still know how to lift your hands in worship while you're looking around at everybody else. You still have the form, you still have the prayer, but you're not connected. So you become maybe doubtful, maybe cynical, maybe skeptical. Oh, that's not really a miracle. They didn't really get a breakthrough. They would have got better either way. Just let it let it simmer. Things usually have to simmer before they boil over. 
and so, so he says, hey, here's the problem, here's the problem. You, you have, here's another word for, for what this means. You have a lack of trust. You have a lack of trust. Um, you're, you're, you're disconnected. Then he goes on, then he goes on to say, not only are you disconnected from God, you're perverse. Let me give you a definition. You're connected too much to the world. I think I said it last week, and this is where this message comes from, that eternity's free, breakthrough costs something. Um, but he said, you're, you're too connected. See, I kind of have a, I have a holy imagination and it usually gets me in trouble. But I think this is like two years into the disciples ministry with Jesus. This is several months after he had told them and sent them out to go and heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. And we know they had had some success and that even when they go out with the 70, they come back and said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. All that has already happened. So they've had some experience, not only with healing people successfully, but casting demons out. And we, we have those issues right here. And I think, here's just what I think. The, the guy brought him to the disciples and Jesus. And I think, I think they were a little bit too connected to the fame that the world can offer you. I think they were a little bit too connected. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, one, of the, I'm one of the 12. Jesus calls me the rock. I'm not Dwayne Johnson, but before Dwayne Johnson, I was. I'm the rock. It's, it's kind of my code name. He's give, he gave me some keys, too. Keys. I don't really understand because locks hadn't been invented, but I got some keys. And uh, I got the uh, rock. I'm a rock with keys. Yeah, that's, that's me. And, and I just kind of wonder if they'd gotten so caught up with the worship that the world will offer anytime you have a little bit of success that they started wanting to shave their head like Britney Spears <laughs> because flesh was never made to worship. I, th I wonder if they just got caught up a little bit like, you know, I could get a book deal out of this. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've been working on this, this book I'm calling uh, First Peter and... Um, and I just wonder, I just wonder, because all of a sudden he's looking at the 12 and he's like, hey, you, you've, you've gotten off track. You're, you're disconnected from God and you're way too connected to the world. Why do we have a power problem? Well, we're connected to the world and disconnected from God. In fact, James 4 says this. He says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Scriptures we don't read in church anymore. Because we're trying to figure out how to have both. I want to be godly enough to get the blessings and worldly enough to fit in. Better get your big boy panties on. Um, <laughs> they will never let me pray and fast and preach again. Um, but I'm going to blame this one on God because I didn't make it up. And, and James is actually saying, don't you know, the friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. And he said, I say again, if you want to be a friend of the world, then you make yourself an enemy of God. James was the leader of, of, of really the first church, the church of Jerusalem, had a lot of Messianic Jews in that church. And he is writing because they are in a worldly religious system. The world, listen, we, we've messed something up here. The world has no problem with religion. 
they, they don't have a problem with you. You can be Hindu. Oh, we celebrate. You're Muslim. You're Hindu. We just celebrate our differences. There are many gods. They have a problem with morals and standards and righteousness. And here's what the world really has a problem with, absolute truth. We're okay with relative truth. Oh, yeah, you, you're, you're Hindi. That's, that's your truth. I'm, I'm Buddhist. That's my truth. I'm Muslim. That's my truth. Oh, you follow God. That's okay. Oh, Jesus Christ, the only way to God, the one true Savior. Uh-uh, we can't have that business around here. No. They don't have a problem with religion. They have a problem with breakthrough. They have a problem with power. They have a problem with absolutes. They have a problem with truth. No, they'll let you be as religious as you want. They'll even respect it as, as long as it doesn't call anyone to repentance or call anyone to change. They're, they're completely okay as long as your religion accepts every other religion. So we don't have a problem. So, so James is trying to call people. He's like, hey, you're in a religious system where you're hearing truth but not doing it. You're in a religious system where you're doing all the religious stuff, but, but you're not exuding any faith. In fact, he says, show me your faith by your works. In other words, I'm sorry, but I'm looking at your life. I don't see any faith. Here's what he's saying. You're just an unbelieving believer who's in a religious system. And James, that's why his book is so confrontational, because he is trying to call believers and try to get them to believe. Right? And so here's what he's saying. Same thing. I think you're a little connected to the world. Think you're trying to be friends with the world. Think you're trying to be friends with the religious system of the world. And, and you want God's blessings, but you want to fit in. I'm going to go to point number two. So, Point number two is your connection determines your confidence. Your connection, see Matthew 17, verse 19, and then the disciples came to Jesus privately because they were embarrassed. And they said, why couldn't we cast him out? We've had some success at this. We've been with you. Why, why, can't, we, why can't, we, can't, can't we cast him out? And Jesus tells them. He said, hey, um, you know, he had already told them the problem, faithless, perverse generation. Thank God Jesus doesn't leave us there because he gives them the solution. And this is what he said, this kind, this kind comes out of only by prayer and fasting. Now, if you are religious minded, let me give you a test. Because when I said that, you heard, try harder to do the right things to get God to do what you want. That is a religious demon. Because that is not what Jesus... See, here's the problem. We either celebrate breakthrough. We either find joy. Jesus said, ask what you will in my name that your joy may be full. Ask what you will and you'll receive it that your joy may be full. That's John 16. We can find, this is the way God created us, to find joy in breakthrough. If we don't press in to find joy and breakthrough, we have to find joy in form. And so, so we either, the way we were made, actually, is to keep pressing into God until heaven and earth collide in a way that lines earth up. You'd had to have been here last week for this because I can't re-preach it, but it'd change your life. But to, 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 to change earth in a way that, that lines up with heaven... Right, right, and so and so you you'd have to 
right? And, and you can either do that or, or when it doesn't happen, you can create a doctrine that absolves you of any type of faith or trust in God where you learn to celebrate religious form. And so if you ha- have fallen into that religious trap of celebrating form because you can't find joy in breakthrough, and, and breakthrough is supposed to actually drive discontentment because it's actually discontentment or hunger, all you can eat, that drives us back to God to figure out where the problem actually is. Are you with me? Because can I tell you, if there's a problem, it's not on God's side of the equation. He's been perfect a long time. And so either we can allow the lack of breakthrough to so stir our hearts that we press into God and say, listen, this is less than what we understand your will to be. And so we're going to keep pressing in till we figure out where the breakdown, or, or we create a doctrine that absolves us of faith and expectancy, and we learn to celebrate form. And so when we hear Jesus say, this time comes out by prayer, oh, there's more religious obligation that's needed. There's more, more duty. I'm trying to do enough religious stuff to tip the scales in my favor and get God to do what I want. And so I just got to try harder, be more religious, go to more Bible studies, pray, pray more prayers, sing more worship songs, and surely all of my godly works will convince God to do something he's already paid for freely. And so it says, here's his solution. Prayer. What's prayer? Connection to God. What's the problem? Disconnection from God? Hey, how do we solve that? Connection to God. Prayer. Prayer. Faith comes by hearing, right? First John 3, 21. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence towards God and we receive from him anything we ask. Here's what, here's what he just said, by the way. The more connected I am to God, the more confident I am in God. Can I just ask a question? This points to ponder if you're still alive in this sermon. And you haven't opened up social media or something else to entertain yourself. But, but can I ask you a question? Do you live a life that keeps throwing you back into trusting God or keeps trying to work around trusting God? It's just a question. I mean, it's not my question. It's the Holy Spirit. It's taking it up with him. But, but it's just a question you could ponder. Like in my life right now, am I actively... Am I actively putting my place in, in, putting myself in a place where I have to trust God, or am I actively trying to work around trusting God? Now, you might ask yourself first, like, do I tithe? Because most of the time we don't tithe because we're trying to work around trusting God, because we understand math, and tithing doesn't make sense if you understand math. <laughs> Can we just be honest? Tithing doesn't make sense if you understand math. Anybody that understands math wouldn't tithe. You'd have to understand the kingdom. And the kingdom and math don't always get, al- get along. Because the kingdom says the first 10% will bless the 90, so it'll be more than 100. Now, you tell me how that works. I got $100, and if I give 10, I'll end up with more than 100, but I only have 90 left. I don't math well. <laughs> Five out of four people aren't good at math. But I'm just saying in our lives, do, do we find ways to place our lives in, God hand, in God's hands and to trust him? Or are we trying to find ways around it? Like, like I've, I've got this relationship and I really should pray and fast about it, but I don't, I don't want to pray and fast. I like them. 
So I'll ask my less than spiritual friend what they think instead of asking my life group leader. I used to have this phrase when people came to me in counseling with certain issues. I said, can I just ask you a question after they, blah, 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 you know, can I ask you a question? That's why I don't do counseling. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, what's the question? Uh, are you here because you want truth or you just want me to bless something you already decided? Like I said, this is why I don't do counseling. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering in our lives because connection Yields confidence. The more connected I am to God. And so prayer, prayer is, is connection. But check this out. He said prayer and fasting. Fasting is disconnection from the world. Yeah. He said, we got two problems. We got two problems. One problem is, listen, one problem is we, we become disconnected. We become disconnected. The other problem is We've we plugged into a socket that has no power. We've we've disconnected from 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 the power source, and, and we've we plugged into something that doesn't have power for this. It may have power to sell a book, but it does have power to deliver the boy. I'm realizing I will never be a conference speaker. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? So Jesus said, what's the solution? Well, number one is prayer and fasting. What's fasting to disconnects from the world? Connects. You're created body, soul, and spirit. Your body is primarily for connection to the world. Your spirit primarily is for connection to God. Right, think about body senses, all the hunger, drink, right, all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, like your body is to connect to the world, while while your spirit is connected to God, and your soul is really just the territory in between. And either your body gains possession of your soul, or your spirit does. Yeah, because your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So when my spirit is when my spirit's in control, by the way, Paul talks to Galatians. He said these two are at war: your body and your spirit. And they, they don't want the same things, right? Because your spirit is leading you towards purity and your body wants another night with somebody on Tinder. And so, so they're not always wanting the same thing. You understand what I'm saying? Your spirit says, let's fast and get close to God. Your body says, chocolate cake's awesome, right? It's, it's not this Nestle Toll House, right? It's, it's, Jesus is alive. I don't know if it's Toll House or God's house, but it could be either. There's Toll House and God's house. But anyways, but the point is, the point is the soul then is in the middle. And so when my body is, is alive and it's all about what feels good and what I want, then my soul says, my mind, my will, my emotions, my mind thinks about what my body says feels good. And my will decides to do what my body says feels good. And, and I become an emotional Wreck. And so, and so, but when my spirit is in charge, then all of a sudden I have the mind of Christ, right? And, and then all of a sudden I think the thoughts of Christ and then my will executes the will of God, the, the will of the kingdom. And emotionally I get healthy and whole. Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? And so why do we pray and fast? Well, we're trying to disconnect from a world that's going to pervert our souls and reconnect to a power source that's going to bring purity and holiness to our souls and allow God's power to flow through us. Are, are you with me? I don't know what you paid to get in here. You should double it. 
because I just helped you out. This is what Paul says. See, fasting affects those. Here's what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? You know, we just read the Bible. It's convicting enough without a preacher. How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 17, therefore come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. Look at verse one of chapter seven. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit and let us work toward complete holiness. Now, why is Paul writing this to the Corinthians? Because they're screwed up. It's a port city. It's a prosperous city. It's a successful city. And, and it's a melting pot of cultures and religions, right? in Corinth, and they have temples set up to all these different gods, right? And they are giving themselves to parties and orgies and drunkenness and sex. And now there's a church there, right? The Corinthians are there, the church of Corinth, but they're just as screwed up because they're coming to church and they're getting out the communion wine and drinking it till they get drunk because Welch's hadn't been invented. And so... And so they're hammering the communion wine. Then they're going down the road and sleeping with a temple prostitute in the temple to one of the foreign gods, if you will. And then sex is broken out in the church and they're all sleeping around. One guy's sleeping with his mother-in-law and he's a leader in the church. And they're all saying, no, there's freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. Wow, it's a party. And Paul's like, hello, McFly. Hello. That's not what grace means. That's not what freedom is. Can't make those excuses. And all of a sudden, Paul's like, hey, you got to separate yourselves from that and be holy. Word we don't talk about in church. So be holy. And then he goes on in, in chapter 11 to talk about his, his routine or how he gives himself, check this, to fasting, separate, unplug from the world. That's what we do when we fast, unplug, whether it's social media or Doritos. We unplug, right? Whether it's, whether it's, whether it's wine or Netflix, we unplug. We unplug. Right? And the reason we unplug from the world is because we're trying to get plugged into God. We're trying to get connected to Him. We're trying to find Him. And so we're unplugging from the world intentionally. But, but we're also intentionally trying to plug in to God. Prayer, it comes out by prayer. Not religious duty, disconnection and reconnection. Connect, disconnecting from the wrong thing, connecting to the right thing. Here's the last thing. You just got to hold your breath for this one. No, it's not that bad. It's just helpful. Like, it is, it's, we're on the way up now, man. We've been to the valley together. We walked through the valley of the shadow of death of this sermon. We're on our way out right now. 
<laughs> Somebody just said amen for the first time. Here's the thing. <laughs> They're like, there is an end to this. <laughs> Check this. Fasting doesn't connect our problem, doesn't connect God to our problems. It connects us to God. I think sometimes we miss this because we're trying to pray and fast to get God to do something, right? We're trying to pray and fast and we're hoping that if we pray and fast enough, there won't need to be an extension cord because God will just come fix it because we religiously met the standard of, of, of religiosity and, and performance and we... We prayed and we fasted enough to get God to do what we wanted him to do. But the truth is, God, the power flows through the cord. And fasting is not where I remove any responsibility from the cord. Remember what Jesus, come on, help me with this. You remember what Jesus, Jesus didn't tell the disciples, oh, this, this kind is just for me, guys. I'm sorry. I'm glad I finally got down here because y'all wouldn't be able to do this. And uh, there are just some that, that, you know, I'll get while I'm here and then we'll just have to wait for me to come back to get those. And you get the little stuff, you handle the lightweight, I'll get the heavy stuff. But that's not what he said. This is the best sermon I've ever preached in my life, by the way. I'm pretty sure it is. Because I've gotten saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit like four times since I've been preaching just this morning. And I needed to be saved this morning, trust me, because I was with me when I woke up. And I was praying one of those gods so far. I hadn't cussed. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't hurt anybody's feelings. But Lord, like three minutes, that alarm's going to go off and I'm going to have to get out of bed. <laughs> but Jesus didn't say, guys, oh, I'm sorry. You, you did your best, but, but this kind's only for me. And, and sometimes I flow through you, and then, but sometimes I just can't get enough power through the cord, so I got to be here. No, 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 no. He said, guys, Faithless and perverse. You're disconnected and connected to the wrong thing. And if you would get disconnect from the wrong thing and connect to the right thing, if you get plugged in, the power would flow. If you just get plugged in. See, the problem, the problem wasn't that God wasn't powerful. The problem, the problem wasn't the power source. When the, the problem wasn't that, that God changed his theology about healing. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha, I'm the God who heals. He didn't change that. Isaiah prophesied what Jesus was going to do. He's going to bear stripes for our healing, right? He didn't change his plan. He didn't say, you know, I've decided that the stripes are too much for Jesus. We're not. He, didn't, he didn't do that. The, the, the problem wasn't that they hadn't been commissioned. They had already been sent out to heal the sick, raise, raise the dead, cleanse the liver. And the, the, but the problem, the problem was they weren't plugged in. Okay, that was the only problem. Now, how silly would it have been for me to try to get a new compressor, take my compressor apart, go out to climb the power pole at my house, try to figure out what was going on before I just simply checked, hey, is is the extension cord? Here's what Jesus essentially said. I created you. Think about this. This is going to set you free. I created you to solve the problems of the world. But you only work when you're plugged in. What did he tell Adam again? Go and take dominion, reign, authority, power over what? The chaos of the world. How does it work? Because I breathed 
in you. As long as you're plugged in. Right? You remember what he told, Mo, what he told um, Noah, though? He told Noah, go and be fruitful and multiply. He didn't tell him to take dominion. Why? Why? Man had fallen and they weren't. They weren't plugged in anymore. That's why Noah can't talk about dominion. Abraham can't talk about dominion, but Adam did. Yeah. Right? But when Adam disconnected, we lost our connection. Why did Jesus came? I came that you might have the spirit, life, Zoe, be plugged in. Wait until, until you're filled with the promise from on high. What did Jesus say? I've come so you could get plugged into the right thing again. Because listen, listen, you were created to solve earth's problems, but only when you're plugged in. Some of you have been waiting on Jesus to solve your problem, and Jesus has been waiting on you to get plugged in. Let me just read you a couple of scriptures here. Can I just tell you, fasting, fasting, listen, fasting doesn't make God more powerful. It makes us better conductors. Let me just read you some scriptures that could blow your mind. That Bible, you read it, scare the hell right out of you. But it'll fill you with heaven. Look at this, Luke 9, verse 1. When Jesus called the 12, he gave them power and authority. That's the strength and the right. Because you, if you have power and no authority, that doesn't work. And if you have authority and no power, that doesn't work. Power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases and sent them to, pro to proclaim the kingdom and heal the sick. Matthew 10, 7. By the way, this is just a few because I could have given you 57 different verses because I looked them up. Matthew 10, verse 7, it says, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven is, is near. Look at this. You heal the sick. Don't pray for them. Don't ask me to do it. You heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out the demons, freely you receive, freely you give. Mark 16, by the way, this is a great commission, and I say that because every church says they believe it. It's the great commission. Every church says, if you ask, what, what's church? We're supposed to do the great commission. This is the great commission. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, I have a problem with that. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will. Will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will, it will by no means harm them. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay. Maybe this is just my message here in a sentence or two. I'm concerned as a church that we have disconnected from God, connected too much to the world, and now we, in our religiosity, are sitting back saying, God, when are you going to do something? While God has said, I created you to solve every problem on the earth, but you got to be connected. So when are you going to plug into the possibility of my kingdom? And this is why we give ourselves to prayer and fasting. Because we live in a world 
that is vying for our emotions and vying for our attention and that is, that is really assaulting our values, right? That, that is trying to weaken our resolve and weaken our character. And that's what we live in every day. So why do we pray and fast? Because it's natural over time for that to affect you. And so there are times you have to say, you know what? This is affecting me too much. I'm going to disconnect from the world a little bit. And I'm going to plug into God so that his kingdom and his power can flow through me. And then I'm going to become the answer I'm asking God for. Why don't you stand?